podcast episode 64. Today I have a very, very special guest who has not been on the show for a while. Professor Gary Francione is on the podcast today. Professor Francione is a distinguished professor of law and Nicholas de B. Katzenbach, scholar of law and philosophy at Rutgers University in Newark, New Jersey. He has authored several books, including Introduction to Animal Rights, Your Child or the Dog, Rain Without Thunder, The Ideology of the Animal Rights Movement, Animals as Persons, Essays on the Abolition of Animal Exploitation, and another very important book, which I'm trying to get into the Auckland Library at the moment, so it will be there soon, is Animals, Property, and the Law, which is one of the earlier books that he wrote. And there is a new book coming out, which is almost in any second going to be in the stores and going to be available for purchase, and I believe you can pre-order it from Columbia University. The Animal Rights Debate, Abolition or Regulation, which was co-authored with Professor Robert Garner. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you back on. Hi, Elizabeth. It's nice to be back on. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. And um, I just wanted to say I very much enjoyed your last podcast episode. Um, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic, and I've been seeing a lot of feedback on it. So um, I hope that you um, do them do do them more regularly. I hope to. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if I have um, some time this weekend, I would like to do one on how to talk to non-vegans. That is something that that is a, a one of the questions I get. Uh, many, many, many times from people is, how do I talk to people who aren't vegans about veganism without the conversation degenerating into an argument or into just an unproductive exchange as a general matter? And and so I want to address that because I think that uh, that, that that's a that's a real problem that people have. And, and like many things in life, um, it's a problem that can be overcome fairly simply. There are some easy ways and easy things to think about when you're talking with people about veganism. So I'd like to do a podcast on that. And I probably, I hope to do that this weekend, but uh, but in any event. So yes, I, I expect to be back on the podcast scene more more frequently, I hope. Fantastic. And that particular episode I would really, really look forward to because that is something that we all, that we all struggle with. Because, you know, for the longest time, um, people have been not told to speak to people about veganism. So it's, it is a relatively new thing as a general rule for a huge mass of people to do. And a lot of people are so used to speaking with people about um, welfare that it is something that they just, yeah. So I think that's going to be really, really useful. Yes, yes. I mean, you're right to say that this is a new experience for people in large part because uh, the, the large organizations themselves don't promote veganism. So, so, and, 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 to the extent that they even talk about veganism, they characterize it as some sort of uh, uh, extreme lifestyle that only the strong-hearted can embrace, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know that's daunting. It's difficult. It's this. It's that. And so the large organizations have been have been uh, uh, promoting that that view. And so it doesn't surprise me that people. This is a new experience for most people. And you know we have to remember these large organizations don't promote veganism because they're trying to keep their donor base as large as possible and and the secret to that is ask people to do virtually nothing and then make them feel great about doing it and they'll give you contributions i mean you know it, it makes perfect sense if you're running a business that's exactly what you're going to do is make you know make people feel really really good about doing virtually nothing so you know have them buy 
buy cage-free eggs or, you know, uh, or, or, or have them sign a petition, you know, to get bigger cages uh, or, or, you know, have them, you know, think about a meat-free Monday or something like that. Uh, ask them to do very, very little and, uh, and then really, you know, tell them, pat them on the back for it and, uh, and, and, They'll write you a check. So the large groups have been really negative about this uh, uh, and haven't really been promoting it. And so you're right. It's a new experience for a lot of people. But if we're going to change the world and we're going to shift the paradigm away from animals as property towards animals as persons, then it's uh, – however difficult it is, uh, however frustrating it is, it's necessary. It's a necessary step in the shift of that paradigm. Uh, so whether we like it or not, whether we find it difficult or not, then it's something we've got to do. And actually, I think one, and, and I, I, I think you've had this experience yourself because you do a lot of, of creative, nonviolent, vegan educational work yourself. Once you get involved in talking with people, you see it's a whole lot easier than you think because people become engaged with it. And as long as you, as long as you can, you can, uh, address their, you know, their concerns and the arguments that they make. Uh, then, you know, you you see them getting more and more and more engaged. And one of the things that happens, I get I get emails every single week, every single week of the of every single month of the year. I get emails from people saying, I've become vegan, uh, and and many of these people are people who went from being went to 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 veganism from being a meat eating person as well as a dairy eating egg eating honey eating person so these are people who are real uh uh you know omnivores in the sense of of including meat products uh in their diet and wearing leather and things like that and they've switched um and a lot of people have have um have uh i think been um influenced by the abolitionist approach to animal rights and 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 you see that they, they're very receptive. So, I mean, I, I, I think we've got to be very positive about about this and not look at it as a, an, an insurmountable task. Uh, you know, it, we can do it. I absolutely agree 100%. So what I wanted to sort of talk about today um, was because I know you talked about it in the last podcast, but you, when we talk about the concept of evolution and you just touched on it there about how, um, you know, changing the paradigm means changing the dialogue and it means changing advocacy, just changing it, the way that everything's being done. I mean, you know, we can't, nothing will ever change unless we do, unless we do that. And as you've said in the last podcast, and I kind of want to elaborate on that, a bit now. Um, abolition is not just a goal. It's not just a word and it's not just an end result. It's a way to get there. And I think that a lot of people miss that. They keep saying, where's the end? Where's the result? Prove it, prove it, prove it. And um, they're not even willing to, to do the process that we're talking about, which is the process of abolition as you've as you've defined it and a lot of people say that we have no right to claim the word like you don't own the word abolition you didn't invent the word i, I never said i did <laughs> right i exactly. never said i did <laughs> <laughs> well you know i'm i've been saying abolition means this and i get protests from people you didn't invent the word abolition you don't own the word abolition well you know look um first of all uh as I said in the in the podcast, the reason why I, I developed the abolitionist approach to animal rights was because the concept of animal rights is and, and has for a long while now been meaningless, absolutely positively meaningless. And um, I mean, unfortunately, in that sense, I mean, animal rights is is is, is amorphous and meaningless 
un- in many of the same ways that the concept of human rights uh, has become uh, uh, more amorphous and meaningless, unfortunately. But um, but animal rights. Uh, let me let me tell you. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, in a pet store to get some uh, vegan toothpaste for for uh, our dogs, and I was standing by the. They had a bank of cages of birds. And, you know, I hate seeing any animal in a in a cage, uh, but there's just something so perverse and sad about having birds uh, in cage. Any animal, but, you know, just birds who are supposed to be flying and things. It's just, just really upsetting. So I was standing by this bank of cages looking at the birds and, and feeling this really profound sadness. And a woman came up to me and she said, can I help you? And I looked at her and said, um, I'm not the one who needs the help. And she said, yeah, I know what you mean. And and she said, but she said, we take really, really good care of them. And she said, and I'm really into animal rights. And, and, um, and you know, I belong to, but she said, I belong to PETA. And, and um, you don't know where to begin uh, in a situation, in a situation like that. And I, and I thought, um, this is the really existential, uh, existentially absurd moment here, um, where I'm standing in a in a pet store in front of a bank of cages containing birds, um, and just and being told by the person who works in the store that this is really all right because she's an animal rights activist and is a member of PETA, and um, and I thought this is just surreal. It's really surreal. Uh, but but that's that's what what's happened to the concept of animal rights. It basically, you know, you can be an animal rights activist, work in a pet store, um, you know, eat animal products, wear animal products, support all sorts of animal exploitation, but you can be an animal rights activist. So it's become a meaningless concept. So what the abolitionist approach was intended to do was to focus on that aspect of animal rights that I saw uh, as most important when I started developing the, 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 the concept, which actually was a long time ago. I mean, it was in the, 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 the late 80s, early 90s, which was that animal rights was about abolishing animal exploitation, not regulating it. That, that's, that, 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 that the reason why the discourse was shifting at that time uh, the, 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 the thing that, 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 uh, that was really sought to be done was to distinguish a position, whatever you wanted to call it, from to, to, to distinguish that, that emerging, that new position from the, the welfare position, which was seeking to get bigger cages for animals. So, so my view is then and, and remains now that the really essential the, the, the thing that really distinguished animal rights as a concept was that it was seeking to abolish animal exploitation, not regulate animal exploitation. So, so, so that's why I focused on abolition as the central concept of, 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 of animal rights. Why, and that's why I call it the abolitionist approach to animal rights. I, I agree. I didn't invent the word abolition. And, uh, uh, <laughs> I find it, hum- I find it humorous when these, when these, these poor confused people think that that's what's going on, that I'm trying to sort of appropriate the word abolition from, uh, the dictionary. And the answer is please, um, you know, think, try to try to try to think more clearly and most importantly, listen. Um, it's not about, uh, it's not about abolition as some sort of general word. It's about the abolitionist approach to animal rights and 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 focusing on the fact that what distinguishes 
animal rights from animal welfare is animal rights rejects the animal welfare position that regulation is an appropriate end toward which to work, but it's also an inappropriate means by which to get to the end. And, and, and so that's what I was focusing on when I came up with the abolitionist approach to animal rights. Now, it seemed also to me that, that veganism was a necessary part of that. Um, uh, in the sense that, you know, the, the idea that we would be saying, well, you know, we're in favor of abolishing all animal use, but we're going to participate in it directly ourselves just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And so it seemed to me that veganism had to be the moral baseline, that, that, that without veganism, none of it made any sense. And then, then the, the, the other part of that is the rejection of violence because, um, it, again, it seemed to me that really – an essential element uh, uh, of of what the concept of animal rights uh, is, or at least should be about, is 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 rejecting violence. That that the violence is the problem. The reason why we've gotten to this point is 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 violence, and that violence isn't going to get us out of this. Isn't going to solve this problem. Violence is part of the problem that we're addressing. Violence, hatred, um, you, you know, the, the the sorts of negative emotions um, that 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 lead people to do all sorts of of of, of unfortunate things including exploit animals and and uh, you know human and non and so that really what we have to, we have to move away from that sort of patriarchal oppressive violent paradigm um and 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 embrace peace and so you know i i saw these these elements as being really part of part of the formula and and as you you said before and and um and and i say uh, uh frequently that the abolitionist approach isn't about just a goal. It's about a way to get to that goal. And, and um, so, you know, it, it, it's not just, hey, we want to abolish animal exploitation. Um, it's we want to abolish animal exploitation. And the way to do that is to shift the paradigm away from demanding animal products and demanding animal exploitation. We've got to stop demanding animal exploitation. That's the problem. We demand it. If we're ever going to stop it, if it's ever going to be abolished, then we've got to stop demanding it. So the abolitionist approach focuses on the demand aspect of things through promoting veganism in creative, nonviolent ways. So, so that you know, that's really you know what, what was what the motivation was and what the central concept is about, and, and what sorts of uh, of ideas are sort of packed into that concept of the abolitionist approach to animal rights. I share your frustration when people say, "Well, you know, why can't I be an abolitionist and promote violence?" Well, I mean, you could be whatever you want to do, and you can you know be whichever whatever you want to be and promote whatever you want to promote, but. That's not the abolitionist approach to animal rights as I've developed that concept. And, and um, you know, I mean, I, this is a particular problem, I think, with people who want to promote violence. Um, that they, they say, well, we're abolitionists and we're violent and you can't tell us that we're not abolitionists. Well, I'm not going to try to tell you anything, uh, but I'm going to tell you this. If you promote violence, you are a confused person putting aside the moral arguments about about violence put put those aside put those aside let's just focus on real world practicalities real world practicalities you burn down 10 slaughterhouses if the demand is there 10 slaughterhouses pop up it's going backwards just as much as welfare is and i think that that's the worst about it so i've said to people anything that moves away from abolition 
is anti-abolitionist. I don't, you know, you can't say that you're working towards abolition if you're taking actions that are moving away from it and that are detrimental to it. That's one of the things people can't understand. They just look at the goal, but they don't realize what direction you're going. Going sideways and going backwards is not moving towards abolition. Therefore, you really shouldn't call yourself abolitionist. Well, you, know, you because... certainly shouldn't be saying that you that you um, uh, that you that you are that you accept the abolitionist approach to animal rights. At least as I've as I've developed that term, but then. I guess these pro-violent people aren't saying no, that they're they're, no, they're, reject, they're, they're they're rejecting yeah. it. But I mean, I just think it's really, really important to sort of keep on hammering this idea. People who promote violence are terribly confused. All they're doing, I mean, first of all, their position makes no logical sense. It makes no sense whatsoever as a practical matter. Again, putting, I mean, you know, we could have an interesting discussion about the moral aspects of violence because I think violence can't be justified, basically, and, and I accept the principle of ahimsa or nonviolence. And, but put that aside. Put that completely aside. Even if you don't agree with me on that, even if you don't buy into that at all, look at the practical realities. Do you honestly think that you're going to do anything to, to shift the paradigm away from animals as property by engaging in violence? The answer is if you do, you haven't thought it through. Most of the people who promote this stuff are um, – I find um, – well, I, I think there's a lot of juvenility, immaturity, and narcissism in that, 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 end, of, uh, that end of things. And, um, and I also find it comical that a lot of these people, as I, I – I, I, Always think of the imagery of you know people wearing Che Guevara T-shirts while they shop at Bloomingdale's. Um, it's a sort of a you know it's it's a false radicalism. The real radicalism is veganism. That's the real radicalism. That's that's really getting to the roots. The 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 word radical means getting to the roots. You want to get to the roots of the problem. The roots of the problem lie in the fact that we celebrate our oppression of non-human animals, our hierarchy over non-human animals, our supposed human superiority. We celebrate that every time we stick those products in our mouth, every time we wear those products, every time we use those products. We celebrate human hierarchy and speciesism and oppression. You want to get to, you want to be radical? You want to get to the roots of the problem? Then stop participating in that. Stop participating in that and reject it. This idea that by yelling and screaming at people and, um, and, 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 and threatening people and engaging in violent actions and burning things down and talking about burning things down, that is just, as far as I'm concerned, narcissistic juvenility. Uh, it's wrong. And I don't understand what people think they're doing by promoting it because <laughs> I think they're being self-indulgent. I do. It's all, I yes, do. absolutely. I mean, there's a, it, it is it is so self-indulgent. Um, it has nothing to do with with. In my judgment, it has really nothing to do with animals. And the thing that is really troubling is uh, over the years. I mean, I've, I've been doing this now for thirty years almost, and and I've met a lot of these people who promote this stuff. And whether they actually do it or not, I don't know, and I don't care to know. But I certainly, have, I certainly have met a lot of people who promote it, and uh, many of those people. As a matter of fact, I would say, uh, in thinking back, I, I think I could say without any, without fear of of, of being wrong uh, by a long shot, um, 
I, I think that most of those people were not vegan. Um, and, and so they're exploiting animals, but boy, they're going to threaten and they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, yeah, they're gonna... single issue threats like, <laughs> exactly. oh, animal experimentation. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. I haven't yeah, been doing sure. this very long at all. And the only people I've met who are of that mindset are vegan. And a lot of them actually do engage in, um, promoting veganism way more than welfare groups. But the problem is, is their attitude is that, well, I don't know if we're ever going to convince them. They think that we're living in a dream world and that we're wrong about the fact. Because uh, here's my playing devil's advocate, including people who promote welfare, because I've encountered this a lot, and I'm sure you have too. They're all vegan. They understand, or they claim to understand, that you know animal use is wrong down, you know, all the way across the board. But what they are saying is that we're we know that we're vegan and we know that that's the right thing to do. But the general public is um, so resistant to it because I've talked to five people and none of them have gone vegan. And this is where you're probably getting your emails from as people who are saying, look, you know, I don't know how to make this work. I haven't had any any success. And um, I disagree with. That mindset. First of all, they're looking to the big groups to teach them how to um, do advocacy. A lot of them do. They they go on the group site and that's their teachers. That you know that they, they you know we we don't really want leaders, but we do need teachers. You know sometimes you know I mean you need to learn from people who've been doing it for a long time. And they call, they reckon they're addressing the paradigm. They reckon that they're addressing people and waking people up. And they they can't seem to understand. I can't seem to get them to understand that. That's not actually addressing the paradigm in the slightest bit. You're entrenching. You are tightening the noose. And I don't know why they can't see that. And I know they're being a little elitist. They really are. They're vegan. But, you know, the general riffraff, it's just too much for them. And that's another attitude that is, is troubling. But, I mean... I just think they're wrong. And my and my personal experience is that, you know, the more people that we get doing this, if every single time somebody, and I don't care who you are, I don't care what country you're in, the minute you hear anybody who claims to be be working in favor of, of helping animals, non-human animals, and you hear about how it's wrong to use them and you hear the same message saying, you know, I'm vegan, that's going to change. I don't understand how people don't realize that that's going to change things. You know, right now we've got one in a thousand people saying that. So they don't seem to get it. Well, yeah, um, I, I think you know when, when I do the podcast on talking to people about veganism, one of the things you will hear me say is, as a starting point, don't assume that people are stupid. There's this notion that pervades the uh, animal movement that um, the rest of the world you know, consists of morons, and they'll never understand the uh, you know the 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 truthful, subtle message of veganism, and the answer is nonsense. People are not stupid, uh, and and um, I mean, I think that everybody would benefit from watching a little less television, reading a few more books, and and, and as a general matter, um, sharpening their critical thinking skills. I think that's something that 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 everybody needs to do. But people aren't stupid, and they're really capable of understanding this argument. Uh, I mean, I, I, you see. Part of the problem is that uh, people are capable of understanding the argument uh, if you present the argument in a comprehensible and coherent way. 
uh, the people who are most resistant are not members of the general public. They're people who are involved in animal, these animal organizations or who are influenced heavily by these animal organizations. To the extent that there's anybody out there that, uh, that I don't think anyone's uneducable, but to the extent that anybody, uh, <laughs> any group of people gets close to being uneducable, it's the people who are uh, sort of who have drunk the Kool-Aid of these, um, of these large organizations and either members, you know, active members or, or really influenced by these groups. I mean, or earning money the, from it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, those people are, are, are tough because um, they really buy into this. But you would expect them. I mean, look, when you're involved in a, you know, one of the ways a business works is when the people who are involved in the business are real believers in the service or the product that the business is providing. And the same thing is, I mean, these animal organizations are businesses. I mean, you know, make no mistake about it. These are multi-million dollar businesses. And, and, um, the, the folks who are involved in them and uh, you know are are are, are believers um, and and uh, and and they they try to instill those views in their membership and in the people who are actively working with them and influenced by them and so th- but there the, the, that's a that's a, a a tougher group but the general the, the members of the general public I think are far more receptive I mean I it's interesting because you know you can you can look at this in a really pessimistic way. And and you can also look at you know it's the half half the glass half uh, half full half uh, empty distinction. Um, I actually think there's an enormous amount of interest of untapped interest in in veganism, uh, and I think there are a lot of people who are becoming more and more interested in, in it. Um, I agree. You know, and and I think that there, for a variety of reasons, um, you know, and I mean, some are some are some say, well, you know, I really care about animals, and 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 you know, this veganism uh, 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 thing interests me. And some people say I'm really interested in my health, and other people say I'm really interested in the environment, and blah blah blah. So, for but for a variety of reasons, there is, and and I think, as you know, from from other things I've said and written, I think that these issues can all, I don't think they should be seen as, you know, separate sorts of, 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 of arguments. I think they're all related in certain respects. And I think that we ought to, we ought to try to, 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 to weave them together as effectively as we can. Um, but, uh, but I think there's a lot of interest in veganism. So, you know, we ought to, we ought to be trying to reach, you know, and to try to tap into that 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 level of interest, uh, that very high level of interest, and and so um, now, you, you, some you said a, you said a number of things. Uh, you, you know, first of all, you pointed out that there's a, there's an elitist element to this notion that you know that we shouldn't promote veganism, and I've just addressed that. You know, yeah, people aren't stupid; they're really quite capable of understanding these arguments if they're presented coherently and 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 clearly. I mean, one of the really serious problems is, as you pointed out before, that you know you have these organizations, and they're saying on one hand they say they 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 give lip service to veganism; on the other hand, they're encouraging people to say uh, or to support these these welfare reforms because those are the single issue campaigns that make money for these organizations so they're promoting these things so people get confused they they think that well the way you know the the, the, they see veganism sort of mixed up with all these welfare reform things and then you know they they get confused so i mean one of one of the things we have to do is i think be very clear about this that you know it's not a question of meatless mondays it's not a question of happy meat it's not a question of you know friendly eggs or you know organic milk or mega dairies versus
versus non-mega dairy. It's not that at all. It's vegan. It's not eating, wearing, using them, participating in, you know, di- direct participation in animal exploitation is ruled out by, 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 uh, vegan, by the notion of veganism. Um, there is a there is a there is a an idea that it, it's hard to dislodge, um, and that is this argument that well, yeah, but that's just going to take an awfully long time. So what can we do for animals now? And 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 uh, but th- that is actually you know. That's the idea that these organizations promote. It's the idea that many advocates and animal advocates embrace, and it's an idea that they promote to the public that, well, this is a, an, a long-term idealistic goal. In the short term, we've got to do this welfare reform. And the answer is, look, I don't know how to be more clear about this. Animal welfare reform doesn't work. Look at the empirical data. Look at the facts. You know, I mean, uh, it, look at the facts. It's like the violence argument. You know, put aside the theory. Look at the real, real world. Violence simply can't work as a as a strategy. Um, and and uh, and look at the you know look at the real world. But I think we've got to keep our eyes on the vegan prize, which is basically there are a lot of folks out there who want to be educated. The fact that I get the number of emails I get. The fact that I get the the amount of correspondence and communication generally that I get as one person um, from people all over the world uh, who are constantly asking me questions about veganism, it's relentless. I mean I can't turn my computer on. If I'm away from my computer for a day, it, take, it takes me like forever to sort of catch up. I mean it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and um, in the fact that – and I don't have an organization. I am one person. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have any sort of organization. I'm just a person who's expressing, uh, his views. And, um, and the fact that I get this level of communication confirms in my mind the amount of interest in this issue. Um, and, and, um, and my ability to speak to people and their receptiveness, the receptiveness of people in the general public, um, is, is, is remarkable. And again, I repeat, I get emails constantly from people who are saying, I never thought about it this way. I mean, one of the things that I think was, was most effective was the argument I made about, you know, about Michael Vick. He was that American football player who was arrested, imprisoned, uh, and, and eventually released and is now playing for uh, an American football team making lots and lots of money. Uh, but he was involved in dogfighting. And there was a huge co- – I mean, just enormous coverage of this issue – throughout the United States and, and much of the rest of the world, but a lot of coverage here. And when I, when I came out with my newspaper editorial basically saying, we're all Michael Vick, uh, I mean, how, how is what he does, uh, how, how, how is what we do any different from what he, 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 do, he did? Uh, he sits around a pit watching dogs fight. We sit around our summer barbecue pits roasting their corpses. Uh, and, and the animals that we're, to, that we're eating uh, are tortured every bit as much, probably worse than the, the dogs that, that he tortured. So, I mean, how are we any different? We're all in the same pit. Basically, we're we're all we're all sitting around the same pit, as it were, and and um, and it was interesting because the reaction I got from the general public, and I, you know, 
be honest. I mean, a lot of people were really upset about my making that analogy. But when I called him on it and said, well, why isn't the analogy not a good analogy? I mean, isn't it, isn't it the same thing? If it's different, how is it different? And then I have people say, well, because he's not eating the dogs. You know, he's, he's not doing anything useful with the dogs. And I said, well, you know, what difference does that make to the dogs? I mean, to the, I mean, the cows, the, the cows aren't saying, hey, well, what the hell, you know, you're eating me. So I mean, they don't care. I mean, with the, you know, and and um, and it was interesting because uh, some of the people who were really really hostile to me, uh, and and uh, when I when I first published that editorial in two thousand seven, um, I still get. It's interesting. I still get emails and communication from people. Uh, based on that editorial, which ran originally in 2007, the uh, they ran it again when he was released from prison um, last year, and he signed with uh, with the football team. They ran the editorial again with a little updated section, a little update section. But but I mean, you, you know, that, that people people respond to that, Elizabeth. I mean, people so you know, people stopped in their tracks and said, "Yeah, I never thought about it that way before," and and it was interesting because when that when that whole thing when you know when 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 the when the Michael Vick story blew and and you know the whole dog fighting uh, uh scandal came out and that this famous guy this famous athlete was involved in in this this business um the animal organizations rather than focusing on the similarity between dog fighting and meat eating which <laughs> i i i continue to maintain they they both involve uh, torturing animals for reasons of pleasure because nobody needs to eat animal products. And so uh, rather than focusing on the similarity and on the, on the very clear analogy that's there, what did these organizations do? They started fundraising raising campaigns to, to, to deal with dog fighting. I mean, talk about a lost opportunity. Talk about a lost, lost opportunity. You have a zillion people talking about Michael Vick and dog fighting. And what do you do? You sort of say, okay, let's do something about dogfighting rather than saying, hey, look, people, why are you upset about what Michael Vick did when you're, doing, when you're doing the same thing? If you're upset about what he did and you think what he did was bad, look to your own behavior. That was a lost, that was a lost opportunity. Can you imagine, Elizabeth, what would have happened if when that story blew – imagine, just imagine – Imagine all of the organizations in the United States and Britain and Australia, New Zealand, uh, every place else, all of the organizations came out with a, you know, with, a, with a big statement saying torturing animals for reasons of pleasure, amusement, or convenience is something we all object to. So why are any of us continuing to eat, wear, or use animals? When our best justification is pleasure, amusement, or convenience, can you – and then go vegan. Can you imagine what effect that would have had on educating people around the world rather than focusing on the fact that Michael Vick was involved in dogfighting and we should do something about dogfighting? So send us your checks. Send us your donations and we'll do something about dogfighting, an activity that most people are opposed to anyway and that a very small segment of the population engages in. Yeah, and generally, 
uh, an oppressed population. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's another that's another aspect. There's a real class element in a lot of this welfare stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do, do, fox hunting is defended by prime ministers, but you know, dog fighting is only the scum of the earth do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, Michael Vick was a was a was an aberration of a, of a you know wealthy guy involved in that conduct. Uh, dog fighting, cock fighting, uh, those sorts of activities are uh, are are generally. Um, uh, activities engaged in uh, by folks in lower socioeconomic brackets. I mean, you know, dogfighting is a real problem. Cockfighting is a real problem in inner cities in America, in very poor areas. And it's easy to go after those sorts of and activities. In New Zealand, just so you know, and England, probably other places too, South America. A, a lot, a lot of the activities, you know, uh, that 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 these uh, these animal people target. Uh, are activities engaged in by people by who are not their base. donor base? Who are not their donor yeah, who are base? Not, exactly, who are not their donor base? And you know, so their their donor base is basically eating, you know, e- eating animal products, uh, and you know, and and uh, you know, buying things with humane labels on, you know, buying corpses with humane labels on them, and things like that. Uh, writing checks so that organizations can go after poor people. I mean, I remember, you know, years ago, many many years ago. Uh, I argued the first case um, uh, when I it, when I was a young lawyer. Uh, I I did a case involving animal sacrifice, and and um, and and uh, it was it was uh, oh God, it was it was probably 1983. It was a long time. It was it was the early 1980s, probably 1983, and um, and 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 I then. Because I had done this case and nobody knew anything about animal uh, animal sacrifice here, um, I, I sort of became an overnight expert in this, and I had all of these organizations, these humane societies, um, consulting with me about how to deal with animal sacrifice problems in their areas, and and um, eventually I just stopped doing these cases because uh, and and stopped participating in them because. They were being, you know, you had you had these humane societies where everybody on the board of directors ate meat. Many of them wore, you know, wore, wore well, all of them wore animal products, um, and uh, you know they all ate animal products. And they would sit around and they would talk about uh, busting animal sacrifices that were being engaged in largely by people from Haiti or Cuba or San Domingo or you know what I mean, you know, the Dominican Republic. You know, and, and they these were these were these were poor brown people basically. Um, were being going, you know, who were being pursued by. Now, I don't. I mean, you know, I, I don't. Obviously, I don't. You're not don't, excusing anybody. I, 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 you I, don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. excusing sacrifice. No. I just didn't want to be part of um, what I saw as a very hypocritical and very elitist and very classist uh, attack on uh, on poor people. I mean, you know, and, and, and so I started taking the position with these, these, these groups, don't bother me. If you're not promoting veganism and you're not vegans, then, you know, don't bo- why, why are you focused on what some poor people from Haiti are doing or from Cuba are doing? Why, why, you know, why are you concerned about that? Um, you know, well, you know, we think that they're treating the animals badly. Yes, they're treating them horribly badly, just like the animals that you're eating were treated um, before they became part of your sandwich. Uh, and and so you know, um, but but I so I I do think that there's a real classist element 
in the in the the animal protection movement that basically a lot of the things that they go after are things that uh, are not engaged in by their member base. Uh, I mean, even look, even if you look at vivisection, I mean, that's that's it's an interesting phenomenon that if you look at the history of the animal movement in Britain and the United States in both the 19th and 20th centuries, you see a real focus on vivisection. Now, how many people do you know, Elizabeth, do vivisection? Most people. Most people don't know anybody who does vivisection. I know lots of vivisections because I've been in a university for 26 or 25 years or 26 years. So I know vivisectors. But most people don't even know anybody who does vivisection. It's a very easy target because because people don't do, you know, the overwhelming number of people don't do vivisection. They don't know vivisectors. Vivisectors aren't their neighbors. And they aren't, you know, I mean, so it's an abstract thing, and it's interesting because if you look at like the the, the you know nineteenth century the, the the animal protection movement in Britain in the in the in the nineteenth century, and at various times it was very active, and you would have these really interesting large demonstrations against vivisection, you know where people would come and they would protest against vivisection, then they would go home and they would eat their kidney pies or whatever disgusting organ meats that the British eat, um, and and they would you know, they would they would. Um, even before I became a vegan, uh, uh, you know, when I was living in Britain in the 1970s and somebody offered me steak and kidney pie and I thought, oh, my God, you know, people eat kidneys. I mean, and, and, um, uh, and I thought they were to sort of filter out things that you shouldn't have or whatever and, uh, and people are eating them. And, um, and uh, you know, but they would, they would then go – they would go from the anti-vivisection rally to the – you know, to, to eat their eat their steak and kidney pies, and so vivisection is itself a sort of a very abstract target because uh, it involves actually a, a relatively small number of animals. Um, and again, I don't excuse it. I think, and I don't think any vivisection is justified whatsoever. I mean, so I want to make that clear. I'm opposed to all vivisection. Um, you know, and, and any and all vivisection. There is no no circumstance under which I think it is morally justifiable to use a sentient being in an experiment to benefit benefit uh, any other sentient beings, human or not. It doesn't matter. I do, however, think it's interesting that it has been the focus of the animal protection movement as a general matter. You can say that vivisection has been the target of the animal protection movement throughout the 19th and 20th centuries. And it's, you know, and it's a relatively marginal activity in terms of numbers of animals used and in terms of people who are involved in it. Again, Nothing's changed anyway. You know, and, and exactly. As a matter of fact, no, no, something has changed, Elizabeth. We're using more animals in vivisection than we have before. The number of animals used is going up. It's not going down. See, this is, this is the fallacy of animal welfare. People say, oh, we've got to do something now. Well, really, you know, actually it's more productive. If you want to do something now for animals, it's more productive to go and sit and watch television or, you know, or play a game of chess or something because that will, pro- that, that will probably help animals as much as pursuing animal welfare. Animal welfare is counterproductive. I mean, we've had, you know, um, we've had animal welfare for several hundred years. I mean, it didn't drop out of the sky last week. Uh, we've had animal welfare for several hundred years, and we're using more animals now in more horrific ways than ever before. And and the the you know the vivisection is a fascinating it's a fascinating uh, 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 focus for us because that has been the sub the the target of animal protection for several hundred years. And in recent history, vivisectors have been the group of people that have been most targeted by these militant direct action Che Guevara um, uh, 
Bloomingdale's T-shirts crowd, and 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 um and what do we see? We see more vivisection than ever before. It's simply that approach. That approach simply doesn't work. I agree, and um, I um, I want to just um briefly touch on something, because there's been some misconception. Sorry, this is a little bit of a sidetrack. There's been a little bit of misconception about the um, contraception issue. Um, that has been around because apparently people are thinking that you're promoting the experimentation of pigs because you say that um, deer contraception is not is not is, is morally excusable just as just as um, the sterilization of um, cats and, and dogs and, and domestic animals. So I just would if you want to just clear that up. I mean anybody who's read your work and who begins to even say that you in any way condone animal use in any way is, is misguided. So can you just sort of clear that up for people that the fact that you're saying sure. contraception is okay doesn't mean that you're saying, yes, and I promote the, 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 um, the experimentation of pigs to get that contraception because... No, there are, look, Elizabeth, there are people out there. I mean, there's a cottage industry amongst these animal welfare people of distorting and mischaracterizing things that I say. And, and most, you know, the, 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 the things you're talking about, the, the comments you're talking about, you know, come from people in these these large welfareist organizations that you know do whatever they can to to um, uh, mischaracterize, distort, and misrepresent actually what what I say. Uh, obviously, I am not in favor of um, of uh, 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 the use of, of any any pigs, fish, you know, uh, birds. I'm not in favor of the use of any animals in experiments uh, to test contraceptives or anything like that. I mean, that's as crazy. As saying, you know, that, I mean, that, that really is. I have to tell you something. Um, <laughs> people who who make that observation um, are either dishonest or insane. Um, it's a it's a it's a binary choice. Um, think about this for a second. Uh, that's like saying that people who promote uh, the the sterilization of companion animals so that we don't have more companion animals that we have to find homes for. They're supporting. They believe in experimenting to find the anesthesias and drugs that are used that are you know the, the 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 antibiotics or the anesthesia or other drugs that are used or other procedures that are used in in spaying neutering tubal ligation vasectomy procedures um that, that it's it's as crazy as that now nobody would say if 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 you were to say to me well you know i support sterilizing uh, companion animals so that we don't have any more of them. And if I were to say to you, yes, Elizabeth, but what that means is you support vivisection because in order to have spaying and neutering of animals, in order to have these drugs, we have had experimentation, both drugs and procedures. Um, and, and, um, and, you know, we've had, so we've had experimentation. So therefore, if you support sterilization of animals, if you promote spaying, neutering, tubal ligation, vasectomy, whatever, you are supporting vivisection. It's that crazy. So, so yeah, I am in favor of, I mean, look, when I say contraception, uh, it may be excusable. What I mean by that is that the concept anyway, right? I'm talking, exactly. I'm talking about the concept of contracepting wild animals. Which I don't like. I mean, I, I, I think I think we just ought to leave them alone. The problem is we haven't, and there are there there, there are situations in which uh, an ecological ba- it's going to be very very hard to achieve an ecological balance 
um, for, for a variety of reasons, almost all, if not all of which are due to our stupidity and our intervening in their, in their, uh, in the environment. Um, but you know, if we can stop, I mean, you've got situations where there are deer, you know, running around these, you know, urban areas. Um, and if, and, 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 uh, the the alternative it seems to me the 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 sensible alternative to killing them and the 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 morally correct alternative to these lethal methods of population control in in uh, densely populated urban areas uh is contraception and you know contraception really can work um and 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 so so i i mean do i like it no i mean i don't like I don't like spaying, neutering, vasectomies, or tubal ligations for dogs and cats. I don't like that. I don't think it's morally justifiable. I think it's morally excusable. It may be actually. It may be morally justifiable. I don't know. That's a that's a separate that's a separate that's a separate issue. I have to think more about that. But it's certainly excusable. Um, I don't like it. Um, I don't think it's great. I'm not. I'm not delighted that we have. You know that 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 we. You know that that. That we have to promote sterilization of companion animals, but it seems to me I, I, I don't know what this I don't know what the solution is. I don't know I don't know of any other solution. I mean, certainly con- continued perpetuate you know perpetual uh, uh, domestication is not the answer. And and um, you know and when you have uh, you know in areas like you know, I mean you have you know ten miles outside of New York City, in you know in the suburbs of northern New Jersey. In you know near Newark, I mean you know I mean if you ever you know um, uh, I don't know when you lived in the states whether you ever came over to New Jersey, but uh, but but in northern New Jersey, in places like West Orange, Elizabeth, which is you know which is literally I, what is West Orange, twelve miles from Manhattan, um, they have they, they have deer hunting because there are deer running around South Mountain Reservation. South Mountain Reservation would be a great place to contracept deer, and it would work. It would work. Now, am I excited? Do I think it's a wonderful thing that we have to contracept deer? No, I think it's tragic that we have to have any interaction with them at all. But the bottom line is, if you've got deer in South Mountain Reservation, where you have no you have no you have no environmental balance at all. Basically, um, you're either going to have people in there hunting, which is what you have. I mean, you have people hunting ten miles outside of Manhattan, uh, or or you have contraception. You know, and and contraception seems to me to be the 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 far better alternative in that situation. That doesn't mean I support I support the the vivisection on pigs. I I, I would like them to make the 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 uh, the contraceptive. They use a pig hormone. They use a porcine hormone to make the, the make the contraceptive. Uh, I'd like them to figure out a different way of doing that. And I'm sure with the technology available, I'm not a scientist, but I'm sure with the technology available, something could be done to 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 produce that um, to produce the contraceptive without using. I mean, like many products in the world, you know. Animal, animal ingredients are used because they're cheap and they're readily available, and there's no will to do, you know, to to, to come up with something else. But yeah, so no, I I, I think I mean you know th- this idea uh, that you know because I think because I you know because I'm not willing to condemn contraception um, that somehow I support vivisection is is like saying oh well you know you support vivisection if you support sterilization of animals. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to address that because, um, uh, just I just it was annoying to me to see that because there's also been comment that this, the the contraceptive used is 
like causing illnesses or something like that. Well, you know what? We need more vegans because when we have vegan scientists and we have vegan doctors and we have vegan vets and we have vegan environmentalists and we have vegan, um, you know, physicists and stuff like that, we will have people who care enough about the issue to do it right. Uh, Elizabeth, I, I really, I, I wish in a lot of ways these these criticisms were made by people with some good faith. The problem is they're not. They're made by people who are looking. I mean, because, you know, I occupy this sort of peculiar position because I'm a critic of the, you know, I'm, I'm outside of the movement. Um, and I'm a, but I have, you know, but, but, but I, you know, I'm an, I'm, I'm an advocate for animal rights. Um, I'm an advocate for veganism, but I'm not part of this organized structure called the movement. As a matter of fact, um, I I only wish there was a way to get further away from it um, because I think of it as toxic, actually. Um, and and so as a result, you've got this group of people um, who who are part of this thing called the movement, which, as far as I can tell, moves in one direction, uh, backward. And and um, and they what they do is they 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 just sort of sit and snipe. And so um, you know they'll they'll take uh isolated statements uh in a book and uh, you know and they'll say um Francione says this or Francione says that um and when I don't say that at all it's a complete distortion of what I'm saying so i mean this business about contraception i mean this is these are just people these are welfareists these are people who work for organizations that promote single issue campaigns these are people who work for organizations that promote just straight out welfare who who feel the need uh for business reasons i mean this is a this is this is business elizabeth they feel that they feel the need for business reasons to sort of take uh, you know take after me and sort of uh uh you, you know to the extent that they say things i say things they agree with they 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 say them and then claim them to be their own and then they say then they then they take other things that i say and they distort them they misrepresent them and they say oh i support this or i support that and i'm a bad person um you know i wish i wish it were good faith i wish it were i wish that these people i would be happy to engage with people if these were good faith criticisms, they're not. They're dishonest criticisms. They're just dishonest nonsense. Yeah, I'm are. sorry to have taken us down that road, but um, I wanted yeah, it's to. That's fine. That's fine. No, I want to make it clear. I, I want to make it clear. Um, you know, I view the contraception issue as very, very similar to me. Uh, for me, it's very similar to the to the 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 domestic. The, the, the spay-neuter, vasectomy, tubal ligation, sterilization issue, or TNR, trap, neuter, and return. Um, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I, it's, I don't like it. I, it, it. It's heartbreaking. You know, I've done TNR. You know, I've done, I've, I've done, you know, where I've gone out and I, you know, I feed these colonies and we trap them and we get them, you know, spayed and neutered and, and things. And I find it heartbreaking, actually. I find it really heartbreaking that these, these, these little cats are out there, you know, and, and, and they're, they're, you know, and people are feeding them on a daily basis. Um, and, and, but they're still, you know, they're still out there. They're still, you know, having in, in many ways, um, I mean, Yes, they are feral, but they are also, you know, 
domesticates and 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 so they're they're in a sort of another world as well and i feel very very bad for them um but i think you know i i feel bad generally for dogs and i mean Me look no but I, I, I in many ways uh you know our dogs uh our five uh, our five dogs live i think a pretty good life but they live a pretty good life for dogs yeah, exactly. They're dogs, um, and they are still dependent on us for every aspect of their lives. And there's a tragedy. Even though they have a great life for dogs, there's a tragedy about their lives that I think is really sort of touching and profound. And and so I'm not – I mean, I, you know, I think the whole, you know, the whole having animals live with us thing is like a bad scene. Yeah. Um, you know, it really is. It's a very, a very bad. It's you know, it's a bad scene altogether. And the you know, the sterilization of dogs and cats, and the you know, the TNR stuff. I mean, you know, oh, I mean, you know, on one on one hand, it's a, a good thing to do. On the other hand, it's a really, it's a tra- it's a tragedy that we have to do it. But I mean, I see the contraception thing is very related to that. I mean, I don't like it, but you know, I mean, we got we've got to deal with the, the domesticates, the mess that, that we have ma- made. Exactly. We we created we've created a mess. We've got to figure out a way to deal with it. And the reason it's all lethal at the moment, the the solution is always kill, 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 is because we haven't shifted the paradigm yet. So I want to get back to more positive stuff because I don't want to. I do. I want to. Um, I have. You know, it's true. Like a lot of times. I'm- 